What's up, ladies and gentlemen? You're listening to New Hill Talks, a podcast for the members and regular attenders of New Hill Church. My name is Michael Meadows. I'm the lead pastor at New Hill Church. I've got some guys with me, as always. Across from me is... Uh, Gary Fox, Associate Pastor of the Month, two months in a row. To my right... Jeremy Dubois. Uh, to my left... Ben Major, just hanging out. Yeah, two, two members, class acts. Uh, love these guys. And... Uh, brother Mark Sherry is is off enjoying some uh, much needed rest uh, with his his family. So he's in South Carolina or something. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Um, dude, we should totally go do something to his yard before he gets back. Yeah. This will be posted on on Friday. So TP his house, if so. he if he actually listens like on his drive back, <laughs> he'll know that he's coming coming back to something. Man, what could we do? Does he have? I'd be afraid to do anything to his house. Oh, dude, he's strong. Well, not just that, but like I'm afraid of like any like booby traps he has like set up. Well armed. Yeah, he is. Have you seen those puppies? Yeah, he's got his arms. Got landmines. Landmines. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This this guy grew up in another country. Like I'm gonna like step into the yard and fall into like a pit. So we talked uh, last week a little bit, and we're going to clarify uh, or just discuss a little further in a little bit. We're going to recap uh, the sermon, but. Um, one of the things, you know, we're talking about force and whatnot. You guys watch UFC? I was going to, but I did. You were, you were going to watch that one, but, like, do you like that kind of... I know oh, that I you watch the fake that. wrestling, but, like, what do you think it's about the real stuff? It's real to me. UFC is very real. Wrestling. Wrestling. Like, yeah, Olympic wrestling is really real, but... Um, what, Jeremy, do you... I know that we've talked about it, but, like... Like, like UFC, do you yeah, enjoy yeah, it? Yeah, I'll watch it. Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily... You don't, like, go out of your way or whatever, yeah. Because... Then you're disappointed. So let me say that. That's what gets me. So uh, we get the, for Yeah. And I'm like, why do the East Coast, we always get the short end of the stick. Literally think about it. Like Nashville, at least the main event's starting at 11. Like the main, like not the main card. The main card would be starting at 9. But like, it's crazy to me. Like the main event this past the event week, McGregor's. Yeah, but like. And his, the main event's probably at it, least 11. It was at 12. That's what it started? Yeah, it's usually been. Dude, there are five fights on the, the main card. Jeez. And I, they're all three five-minute rounds, and then right. the final match, the big one, is five five-minute rounds. Mm-hmm. So each one, you've got 15 minutes of fighting, not to mention, like, the 30-second to a minute intermit, yeah. like, in between all the rounds. Stuff. Post-match fight. Yeah, you get the post-match interview. You get, like, the pre-match content. Like, they don't immediately rush those guys into the ring as soon as it's no. empty. Like, there's always a little bit of a break. So yeah, it, it takes time, um, but I enjoyed that. Well, how about you, Ben? Yeah, I, I like watching it. I didn't watch this. That makes sense because you do. Uh, I don't want to say it wrong. Not just karate, right? Do you do jujitsu? Yeah, kind of both. It's karate. It's both. Karate okay. Fine, What's your belt level? Uh, so I had a brown belt in Shaolin Ru, and now I started kempo like six months ago, and I have an orange belt in that. Kempo. Yep. Okay, got it. No, it's cool, man. That's that's intense stuff, and Calvin's. What's he up to now? Calvin's a black belt. He's a black belt now, officially. Taekwondo, yeah. So, if I go and beat him up, can I just, like, go ahead and get my black belt, too? Yeah, you go beat him up, and then you can say, I beat up a black belt, man. <laughs> this 10-year-old kid. <laughs> man, you know, I'm enjoying it while I can, because that kid's getting big. But he, um, he's, he had a growth spurt this year. Look at a picture of him from this time last year. He was So, last year, what, what's interesting with kids, so this isn't, like, a... A joke or like you know knock on anybody's weight like you you see kids they get chunky yep, and, then they, and then they hit a growth spurt and it's like their body is like just prepping for that but he did last year he got um especially with the covid like yeah. you look at it and you think man like calvin's just been in you know eating the doritos playing video games but he wasn't he never was that kid's always active but i knew it i knew he was on the brink of a growth spurt and there was something maybe the past week or two 
in church, I was like, man, he like he sprouted up. Might have been when, you, right before or after you came back from vacation, yeah. is when he had the the shaggy hair. Yeah, like that's when I realized like. Man, if I like saw you on the street, I'd be like this little teenager. Well, when we were on vacation, I saw him down the way. Uh, and we were and I was like, "Get make sure you know, go yell for Calvin, tell him time time to come up." And there was other people around, and he was using a paddleboard or something like that. And I looked down, I'm like, "Is that?" It looked like a man mm-hmm. was out there, and I'm like, "That's Calvin." You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I was like, "Whoa!" It just like whoa. So the whole point, the in talking about fighting, I'm curious because McGregor and like some of the other guys, they get real cocky. Oh, yeah. um, the the Christian uh, way about it. Do you think a Christian can be cocky in that sport? Is it part of the business, or would it be so. wrong? Really? Yeah, I don't think you should be a braggart at all. I think you should go dominate. Mm-hmm. But I think the Christian ethic would be go dominate and then just say, you know, he was a great opponent. Number one. So no trash talk. No. None. Now now before the fight, you could say something like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna bring the wrath of God down on that guy." <laughs> You know what I mean? Like you could say, "I'm going to do this," um, but I'm, I'm going to make you leave on a stretcher. I, I wouldn't say what I'm. I would say that. So I'm, McGregor said that. By the maybe, way, I'm not like looking to maybe, say that before. Maybe, fight. maybe what, let me rephrase a little bit. Like I would say, I'm going to come and I'm going to try to bring the wrath of God on that guy. Okay. So I'm not actually saying I'm going to dominate. That's him. so much more. I'm saying I'm going to in a godly to. way. Yeah. I'm going to try to. I'm going to try to bring try him. to bring the wrath of God on him, but. I truly believe, for a number of reasons, that if you after this, if you win the fight, I would immediately say that dude is tough. There's definitely something about after a fight say having that kind of attitude. Because yeah. if you just go beat up a chump, then how does that make you look? Oh wow, you're a real tough guy. You beat up you beat up somebody who's subpar. So don't run your mouth. You know you know even if you dominated the guy. So that guy came in ready. He came in prepared. You know. Um, I caught him, and I beat him. You know, so you don't you don't need to like downplay what you did. But I don't like the trash talk stuff. I think it's immature. Dude, the first match on the uh, main card is the only one I stayed for for the main card. This one kid, Sean O'Malley, he's like an up and comer, and it's uh, like bantamweight, so they're like scrawny guys. Um, and he's he's a trash talker. Um, but the guy he was fighting took the the fight eleven days prior because the other guy like backed out for whatever reason. Um, so it's this guy's UFC debut and he's on a main card. So like he obviously is an MMA, but like UFC debut and he's fighting this this guy who's like on the rise. And he took like 177 shots to the head alone. He took like another hundred and some to the body, X amount of leg kicks. But he literally, getting hit in the face, was calling the other guy names. <laughs> Still calling him names. And he's, so the other guy, Sean O'Malley, after he got the win, was like, yeah, he was calling me this and calling me that. And he's like, dude, your like, head's about to fall off. He's like, I mean, I respect him, but man, you got to learn like, when to quit talking. And that's coming from a trash talker, too. I, so. got, I have a buddy of mine I went to school with, Josh Hendricks, and he fought in one UFC fight. UFC. UFC. Straight up pay-per-view. This is number probably 10 years ago at least. Uh-huh. But he was hanging, 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 and then he got caught. One, so, so that's the thing is like you see some of these guys. Down. It's like it, it's like the yeah. lights. It's just like the button is pushed. Yeah, and it don't mean you're you not just catch him the right way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just like a, not a fluke. I don't want to say that, but I mean, the guy just caught him. And boom, he went down. That was his one and only fight in the UFC. Yeah, that dude's tough. Anyway, Josh Hendricks. Yeah, there are several people out of Northeast Ohio. 
Uh, one of them was just on the pay-per-view. Iowa, I think. Yeah. Like Iowa wrestling. Like, he, he, like the college? Yeah. He went there for wrestling. Yeah, Big Ten wrestling is like really tough too, so that's impressive. Anyway, I, I want to talk about that for a second just because it was really interesting to me watching that. Because I'm like Jeremy. I don't go out of my way, but um, uh, one of our attenders uh, invited me and, and you over. You weren't able to make it, but... Yeah. Um, Hopefully we can get the, together and you know have some pizza next time and, and watch. The problem one. is they're so late, and like with church with us, I can make it happen service. probably when there's not a summer chill going on. Like because you have that, yes. and then you're like rushing over. Um, so I'd like to do that. Like or maybe lay down good guys before, on. just because we get up early for set up for church, and it's just it makes it hard to get up early for church. You get up early always. I always. Do Monday you wake up five. earlier on Sunday, or you just maybe a little bit, time? but not really. I usually get up between five and five thirty normally, and then. It's always five on Sundays. Yeah. Because I want to be alert when I get there. Like, I don't want to be like, like... Right. So, like, I've already smoked my pipe and... Right. Did some devotions and got my head going. Okay. Well, this past Sunday, we started a new series. Uh, it's a mini-series. And um, it's it's dubbed Christmas in July because we're talking about gifts. And what we did, we, we talked about the offices of, of Jesus. And it's a typology of leadership that we've seen... Um, pastors and church planters used for assessing other guys and that typology uh, comes from the offices of Jesus which are prophet priest and king Um, just to to elaborate a little bit more usually what you'll see um, with those three offices is you've got one where you're really strong um, in that office Uh, if it's prophet you know you're you're good at preaching teaching um, and encouraging from God's Word and maybe that that's your strong suit. Then you've got like a second where it might be pretty well sharp. It could be a little dull. Uh, but then the third one is usually not like super close, right? Like we talked about how you need to be able to do all of it, right? You need to be able to step up. And with King particularly, Pastor Gary and I, we talk about how um, we can do it. Uh, but we're thankful to have a team that God's building at New Hill Church because we're not the administrative dudes. We don't, um, we don't love it. But we will not let the church lack um, because it's not our strong suit. Right. But... You'll see that, like, even in your life as you look at this, you might see two that are, like, one's super strong, the other one's strong, and then the other one's lacking, like, lacking, lacking, um, as far as, like, maybe giftedness. Um, but you still do it. So I'll tell you an example of that. Years ago, like, when, I, when Naomi and I first got married, yeah, um, I was doing some side work. I was in between jobs. I was doing some side work with her grandpa, who was a contractor. We were driving back from Cleveland or whatever, and I don't know what brought it up. Maybe it was me said something about, but I basically made the kind of the comment that like I don't even know about our finances. Like I just let Naomi handle it. I just hand her my check and that's it. Her grandpa was like, he goes, "Are you the head of the house or what?" And I'm I look over at him. He's like, he goes, "You you need to know what's going on. Right? You're, you can't just not know." Yeah. But I don't care. You know what I mean? Like I literally, that's where I am. Like Naomi, she it likes all that stuff or whatever. <laughs> And it hit me. It was like, just because I'm not good at it or don't really have a passion for it, I don't really care. Yeah. Doesn't matter. And I catch myself now at the church, and I mentioned this at the closing comments, when Kate sends us a monthly report, I just, there's there's part of me that just wants to say to her, just tell me this is right. And then it's right. Right. You know what I mean? I don't really want to look over it, but I can't act like that. Like, I've caught myself, and I'm like, no, I need to look at this thing. Because... As one of the pastors, I have a responsibility to make sure that it's right. Right. It's not my strong suit at all. Doesn't matter. Like I have to work out of my, you know, like you just have to do it. So, and I think 
a lot of times, especially when you're dealing with profit stuff, people will be like, well, that's not my strong suit, so I'm just going to do administrative stuff or whatever. Just because it's not your strong suit doesn't mean you have no ability. It just is not your top ability. Right. So stretch yourself. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, when I do uh, premarital counseling, um, I find it's 50-50, you know, whether or not the guy's, like, crazy about it, gifted at it, uh, as far as, like, finances. But that's exactly what I say. Like, and I, and I try and remind them, like, being the head of the house doesn't mean you do it all. Um, but at least... Be aware. Yeah. And, I mean, like, you, you see, especially with finances. So the lady, I, I would say the lady, you need to be aware of, you know, your finances. Um, there's Dude. just a sense of you're, you're one and, like... A guy can go off and, and wreck a, a family's finances, which is wrong, obviously. So I'm not like condoning that, but like that's why it's important just, for us to all know what's going on in our was, homes. Before I was selling insurance, I was servicing insurance. It was two divisions: service and sales. Obviously, services for people that already had our already had our insurance, and they call them with questions. And I talked to more than like I bet over a couple year period, it's probably ten different conversations I had with elderly women who called in. She'd give me her name. Her name's not on in the policy number. Her name's not on it. It's just her husband's name on it. He just died, right? So there's ways of fixing this or whatever. But I had more than one conversation where the woman was like, I don't even know where to start. I don't know. Like, he kept her, and he took care of everything. There was no problems. There was no, you know what I mean? It wasn't like he was doing anything wrong. But he did not keep her in the loop on anything. And now he's dead. And she doesn't even know like how oh, to man. access yeah. any of this stuff or what right. you know. And I'd have them be like, just. And I would tell them, I don't. I would just say, this conversation, ma'am, I want you to think you are talking to your son. I'm going to talk to you like you're my mother, and I'm going to give you the best advice. Like, and that made her feel better. You know what I mean? Because like, I'm not trying to sell you nothing. I'm going to make sure you got the right policy. Because she didn't know any of it, like mm-hmm. any of what she needs or any of this stuff. But, like, that's not good either. You know what I mean? Well, I'm the head of the household, so I'm taking it. That's cool until you're dead. She needs to know what's going on, too. Right. Yeah, no, good points. Good points. Um, So this this past Sunday, particularly, we dealt with office. And we're going to deal with all these offices. Uh, The King one is going to be really interesting, you know, talking about that. Um, We're talking about the the office of of priest this Sunday. So those who care and intercede and, and, um, like, care ministry, right? But this past Sunday was uh, prophet. And dealing with you know the preaching and teaching and encouraging um, through God's word, so the exhortation. And um, well, I, first off, anything stand out to to you guys? Um, I know you had to, to work, and it hasn't been posted yet, Jeremy. But just open it up for that. Anything that stood out? Um, anything? Have you guys heard of that prophet, priest, and king, and the way that people kind of fall into? I did not know. That was it's a good way of thinking that. about it. And they're really big silos, like they're really big categories. Um, There's a yeah a ton that you, falls you can underneath. fit within a whole bunch in between all three of those, and we can dig in deeper on specific giftings and things like that. But when you start to think about it in those terms, you will start to notice I kind of more built this way. You know what I mean? The priestly type—they're the type that are real—they're mercy people, they're caring people, benevolence and hospitality, and they're they they love to they just care. They're caring. Very caring people. Sometimes prophetic people um, can come off like not not like that. Right. You know what I mean. So, um, which is not okay. Right. You have to operate in all three of these. Mm-hmm. 
but um, anyway, so hopefully it'll be hopefully it'll be a way for our church to start to because we have a lot of new Christians or Christians who were in churches previously that didn't do much discipleship. Hopefully it'll start to trigger some thinking in people where they're like, I do have giftings, and so I need to need to kind of identify yeah. that and then move accordingly. Right. And I'll say something that jumped out at me a little bit is what you already touched on in the beginning here, but uh, doing something that you wouldn't normally do, getting out of your comfort zone, just mm-hmm. because you, you don't enjoy, I don't say enjoy it, but you don't have a natural pull toward it, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you can't do it. You know? Right. And that's, that's a good way of thinking, getting out of that comfort zone. Yeah, Gary's already told me that I'm not good talking to people, but I still try to go <laughs> out hey, and greet when I can. So, just to clarify... Uh, we were talking about ways to serve in the church, and Jeremy told us he's not the biggest people person, and we're like, yeah, we get that, and then it's turned into this, we don't think Jeremy's good at talking to people, so he keeps ragging on us, so it's an inside it's joke. True, we don't want you to think that uh, we Jeremy's think Jeremy's about the most friendly guy. Like Actually, yeah, I would say that uh, one of your strong suits, Jeremy, or offices would be uh, priest. Uh, because you are great with people. Quick to help. Um, yeah, quick to help them, care for them, um, serve them. You're very hospitable, uh, especially at your your home. One of my favorite summer chills of all time was the one at your house where you you fed us an abundance. Imagine of food. a, a, pro, a pro, that was your first summer chill, I think. Yeah, that was awesome. At Jeremy's, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. But uh, imagine a prophet being a fireman, like he'd show up and start yelling at him about what. What did you do? <laughs> Why did you do that? You know what I mean? No, no. You need a priest to go run in that building. You know, we'll talk about why it happened later, but that's yeah, the Yeah, the prophet is... Who's the one who comes in and uh, investigates what caused the fire? Uh, arson. That's yeah. the that's The, yeah, the prophet, prophet would do good there. <laughs> he comes yeah. in and he says, "What? did you have a candle burning? <laughs> They're like, our house is burned down. We don't want to talk about it. Was it the curling iron, ma'am? Yeah. <laughs> Sir, was it your cigar you left lit in the... The garage. My brother had an arson expert show up at his house. Did I ever tell you he burned his uh, <laughs> he burned his garage down? His detached garage. What? Because he was burning not the house he's at now, but no, before, I know. But he was burning boxes, and he went in probably to go get more boxes, and did something and whatever, and then he, and then all of a sudden the neighbor kids start screaming, <laughs> "It's on fire!" So he comes out and. He thought, but he wasn't for sure. But he thought that the paper went up in the air, like yeah. the and it went yeah, up and it just landed on the roof of that thing. But an arson expert had to come over and confirm that that's what caused it. That it wasn't like him. You know what I mean? Like, All right, yeah, Mister Insurance, is yeah. that covered? Yeah, oh yeah. Okay. Unless it was arson. If you didn't intentionally. Start. Oh, if you didn't intentionally. Mm-hmm. So like they know. Okay, yeah, you made a mistake. Also, don't burn boxes. Right. 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 So the insurance company would cover that, but unless you. Did it on purpose. You're not supposed to burn boxes, right? Not like technically, technically no. right? Okay. Uh oh. Interesting. interesting. You burn a lot worse I mean, than boxes. I mean, it, it, boxes are the least that the foxes. That's worse. interesting. <laughs> it's a lot different when you live out in the country than when you're in a city. What about tires and chairs? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to edit this out. Yeah, <laughs> just just for a friend. <laughs> cause the cause of global warming over here. Is no, but as far as like. Uh, finding what you're good at you know a lot of times i'll just float and whatever needs filled in if someone can't show up that day or something like that and you can figure out what you like or what you're good at yeah. doing that, so part of why you're being put up for deacon that's why we're voting on because that's what deacons do 
Um, anyway, no, that's that's great. I'm looking forward to that. By the way, uh, quick reminder: this Sunday we are voting. What is um, this dropping? On Jeremy Dubois and Jeremy Newman. This, this will drop Friday. The the last one it, it'll drop Friday. I've I've got to post the one. I'll probably post it today. But we recorded on Friday, so then right. the weekend was hectic. So there's no way it's getting posted. So so this will drop before this. The this vote. will drop, especially since I'm saying this. It kind of puts me on the spot to do it. So, <laughs> um, anyway, so naturally, just the the follow up with um, this past Sunday, uh, we were in Second Timothy chapter four, uh, where Paul is commanding Timothy to preach the word. And he's got a reason, like right. He he charges him, um, and that charge is, is so good. Like that's why I tried to spend a little bit of time there on that that charge. And like that first point, just it went by so fast because it's it's pretty straightforward. But when you understand the seriousness of it, um, it, it helps you understand the mission ahead of you, right? That there's a cause, um, but that cause is it gives a reason for charge, right? A, a warning, but an urgency to go and to to preach the gospel. And I, I really can't emphasize enough that other people in our town are using the same book. And even though they're using the same book, they're not preaching the same message. So I would rather us be going out and making sure we understand this urgency, this charge, this warning, right. that they're being misled by the same book. So we need to be careful to, first off, read, right? We need to be students of the word, right? A, a disciple, you disciple people, but you should always be uh actively being discipled as well now there's a sense of a formal and informal way of discipling um like there may be a season where it's like i need to meet with a person once a week once a month um for formal discipleship where we're intentionally meeting and then there's going to be other seasons where you're not doing that but you're informally being discipled by hanging out with other families and and seeing how they parent their kids how they um are uh, leading their family or their spouse um and and whatnot so those are informal ways um, but he really, man, I mean, this is a, a tough passage to ignore for any Christian. So I, I tried to make sure that we understand that this is a pastoral epistle. Um, but this charge needs to be given to the church to go out and to share the gospel um, at the very least. And, and then we get into um, some other things that I think we're going to spend a little bit more time on as far as um, women and, and their um, charge within the church, uh, where to, to preach and teach the word. Um, in the church and outside of the church as a woman. Um, and we've, we've talked about this before. You can go back in previous podcasts where um, we've dealt with complementarianism. Right. But, um, again, that's where we were this past Sunday, so let's talk about it. Can women be, um, can women hold the title of pastor or enter into the office of pastor? Me? No. No. Why? Is it because Gary doesn't like lady pastors? You don't think women can speak? No, it's... Which no, is important to understand. That's the first thing to yeah, understand. We're not mad. None of this has to do with uh, competence or intelligence or, you know, ability to speak or, or uh, giftings or anything like that. It is that God has structured society and then, more particularly, the church with a certain order of authority. <clears throat> that he expects that to be maintained. And there's a lot of symbolism in all of this as well with Christ in the church and so forth. Uh, in the home, but then in the church, he has charged um, that the men are to, qualified men are to be leading the church, um, and that the wives are to be uh, submissive to that. The women are to be, uh, to not be doing that. To, they're, they're to be learning quietly, and if they have questions about what's going on at church, 
they're supposed to wait till they get home and ask her husband then. Right. Yeah. So um, again, I I think like just the foundation laying it out like that that it's not a um, our men don't want to be overrun by women. It's not like a jealousy thing. Um, it's simply we see it in the word, and and th- there's another important distinction. It's not from the qualifications uh, that we see this. Uh, you know, when you look at it, uh, the qualifications that Paul gives Timothy in what right. First Timothy. Um, it, it's not simply from there where it says husband of one wife. A lot of guys for so long would say, oh, well, a woman can't be a husband of one wife. Um, you can't do that. It comes from, I don't permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over right. a man. And that's talking within the church context. So Whenever we see somebody that with, brings up those qualifications as a reason why, like, that's not the best argument. because No, because we have lady deacons. Saying, well, a husband of one wife. If, if you take that, if you can't have it all, like you can't have it to mean that in that strict of a way that he's referring to that, because then Paul couldn't have been a pastor because he wasn't the husband of one wife. And a widower who gets remarried, he can't be a That's not what he's saying. He's talk, that's very clearly talking about polygamy. Um, but, that's, but there are plenty of other passages that flat out just condemn it like it's very clear mm-hmm. that that's not the role of the woman uh in the in the in the role of the church not only pastoring but preaching teaching exercise of any kind of authority so whoever stands behind the pulpit is given by so even if they're not a member of that church they're given a delegated authority during that time to proclaim the word of god so <clears throat> they'll try to say sometimes you'll hear them say well she's not a pastor but she's a preacher or she's a teacher, she's a Bible teacher, so we're not gonna have her come, she's not, she doesn't have authority here, she's not a pastor, but we'll have her speak and teach, which flat out Paul says don't do. Like, I don't know how you get around that. Uh, repeatedly, uh, he says not to do that. Um, so it's, it's the issue of exercising spiritual authority in the context of the gathering of God's people in a local congregation, mm-hmm. that it's supposed to be qualified men doing that. Love that you keep saying that qualified men. Uh, something we just tried to touch on uh, on Sunday was, you know, it's not any old Joe gets up here, not any old Joe ends up getting the the title of pastor. Um, you know, I mean, even even with the guys that we put forth, I mean, it's be. a it's a year long candidacy. Sometimes to make sure it's it, like, well, this guy's a good guy. I'm sure he is a good guy, but that it's that's not the reason why you put him in a position of authority in a church. Exactly. I mean, there's a whole bunch of churches that go that are run by good guys that probably shouldn't he shouldn't be the pastor right yeah I agree anything you guys do you guys have any questions or anything to add as we're like moving along alright um, yeah so this so, is going to get us into trouble though like we have to understand I'm at the point now and I know a lot of us are that like no matter what we say the world's going to hate us so we might as well just say it just say what we're going to say you know what I'm saying because this is not popular and so if we're going to try to like skate around, well, and try to craft all of these answers that it, it just makes us look foolish and like we're ashamed. We're not ashamed. The, the, the role being reserved for men is a good thing. That is a godly thing. That's something we should celebrate. That's something we should be not ashamed of. Um, and, we, and, and if you're in a church where the woman gets up and says, I'm pastor so-and-so, you need to get up and walk out. Ladies, you need to get up and walk out. The women of God hear this, that read their Bible and believe it, they're like, they would get up too. Like they would not, they they know what the Bible says. 
And we're not God. He's the one who sets this up. He has his reasons. We know many of the reasons, the symbolism and so forth of authority. That's um, ultimately from him is what this is symbolizing. But um, I'm just glad to be part of a church that like isn't him hawing around it and afraid to say something. Like this is the word of God. Yeah, we I submit mean, to the word of God. We don't submit to what the culture thinks. And we've taken it so serious, like just in trying to to read and understand Scripture to the best of our ability, um, to the point where like we're not in full agreement with all Southern Baptist churches on on deacons. Like you know, they would some of them would go so far to say like a woman can't be a deacon. Right. And we're saying when we read Scripture, we don't see that. Right. I mean, we we don't like, and I respect the views um, elsewhere because I understand a, most of them are coming from. We're trying to understand the Bible as well. Yeah, right? it's like a, we're not just saying like that man. is a bit of a more of a um, a fair debate. It, it's it's not they're, they're not coming out of left field, right? We're probably in the minority amongst Baptist church. I'm sure we are. Yeah, but are your deacons getting up and preaching in church? Bingo. So, so there's another thing too, uh, and then we'll get into uh, where women can teach and and preach and uh, use these giftings of the prophet, um, and then. We'll talk about men as well uh, in our church, where where they need to be stepping up as well to to teach and preach God's word. Um, but this one's for you. This question: Can any any guy, because he's a guy, get up and preach on Sunday morning? No, no. Would you say that they still need to meet the qualifications? No, no, not of a pastor. No, but so it depends. Like if the, obviously he's a heretic, no. Um, or if he's living in sin, no, that sort of thing. So, you know, there are qualifications that you would have, but they're not nearly as strict as a pastor. Because there could be a lot of guys that um, are not, they're not qualified mm-hmm. um, to, be, to be a pastor for a number of different reasons. Maybe it's their, like, I'll just say, I'll just say, so like I'm listening to a podcast on the downfall of Mars Hill, which you need to listen to, Michael. You, you would love it. It's so well done. It is is so it multiple cool. episodes? Yes. Oh, okay. It is so... I thought it was like a one-off, and people keep telling me I need to li- like dude, listen to it. it is so good. Yeah, right? got it. So, Mark Driscoll is up there with some probably top three favorite preachers I've ever heard. Like, I love Mark Driscoll. It's old Mark Driscoll. The new guy, I don't know what he's up to now. Like, I don't... I think his doctrines have changed. But back in the day, Mark Driscoll was phenomenal, gifted... Like as far as just to able to just listen to somebody, and he would go for an hour plus, and act, like we usually, if we hit forty five minutes, we're that's long. That I mean that's up there. You know we usually go forty four. You know he would go over an hour plus, and people were wanting more, right? And his doctrine was right on the money and convicting. I mean so convicting, but in a godly way. You know you didn't feel beat up. You felt the need to repent. But you felt also the embrace of grace and all of this, right? So good. I really question whether or not he should have ever been a pastor. He should have, it sounds like, based on his personality and what they're saying, basically caused that church to crumble, was his his inability to pastor the people. Mm-hmm. He, he was like all prophet and no priest. See, that's that's a huge thing. Actually, that's probably saying it too far. There are exa- especially in his early days where he was he had a priestly uh, bent to him. But as that church progressed, especially with his staff and especially with it, you know, as, as, if, if New Hill grows, like your staff is part of your church too. 
You know what I mean? Like they're they're on staff, but you can't treat them like dogs. Like mm-hmm. so, you got to care for their souls as well. So he may be an example of somebody who who probably should never have been a pastor and should have just been you know a member of a local church, right? Never, you're never going to be divorced from that. But a a Bible teacher, a preacher, maybe um, teaching a college Bible college, something like that, where he's using that gifting. But I don't think he would have been qualified. I don't think his personality was right for pastoral ministry, at least at that point. And so that would be an example, maybe. But a great point to make, um, because I think too often, especially in American Christianity, we see pastoring as preaching, like it's it's that's it. That, right. But and right and like that is a job, right? That's a description um, and and an oversight of the pastor. We're the preaching. In Acts. Look about. Look at Stephen. Right. Stephen was not called to be a pastor. But he preached that message. He was a deacon, but he was out preaching. Yeah. That's how he ended up getting stoned to death. Yeah. And so that that's really interesting and I think a, an important distinction to make too, like when we're talking about um, pastoring. Um, it, it, you're, you're bringing up more things that we need to talk about too uh, because I want to get to like practical ways that men and women can, can use these giftings. Um, but there's also another distinction to make, too, be- between just pastoring and being a part of church leadership. Right. Uh, so we've already got people um, in church leadership that are ladies. Right. Because uh, there's a difference in pastoring and, and even leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Do you care to make that distinction? Well, it's delegated. Obviously, the way we're doing our best, no church is perfect. But we're, we're trying at New Hill to model our structure after what we see what they were doing in the Bible so that the pastors had have the authority in the church, right? We're not a congregational church. Um, the pastors are the ones that are leading the church, governing the affairs of the church and so forth. So, but under that, pastors cannot, and we read it in the passages that I preached from in Acts 6, where they can't only keep up with so much. And it became clear with the, with the Hellenistic widows that something was falling through. So somebody had to take the lead on that. And they were saying the apostles, who were also the pastors, so not all pastors are apostles, but all the apostles were pastors. They were saying, you know, this is not good that we we have to address this, but we can't stop our ministry primarily of, of, of study and preaching and prayer. So they had to establish leadership to, to take care of it, but it was delegated. So they were overseeing it. So certainly those, what we believe deacons, would come back to the apostles, to the pastors, the elders of that church, and say this is how we're addressing it this is the program we're going to come up with this is our system or whatever and then they would just say okay that's good do do that so they're taking the lead in other words they're not being micromanaged i don't care if you do b a c or a b c just make sure we get to d like however you get there as long as it's sinful or something like that's up to you as long as it isn't sinful as long as it's not sinful, right. right? If it's sinful, we're not doing it. Just trying to enunciate, yeah. Yeah, but you see, <laughs> someone's what I'm saying, driving. Right? They're like, "Wait, what?" So, like, right? If we ask Aubrey to design us something, she's going to take the lead on that, right? We're not going to sit here. We're like, "No, Aubrey, you should use this. This, this. We want you to use this program for design. Don't use whatever, whatever. What do you call it? There's different programs you can use. Adobe. Adobe. We don't yeah. want you. We're not telling her what to do as far as how to do it. To do the is this the ministry you feel called to? Yeah. Are you willing to do it? Yeah. Okay, then then do it. Then just do that. So when we say lead, that's what we mean. We're not right. sitting there telling Matt Axma, like, well, this is the type of uh, tractor you need to have. Like, here's the budget. Get us the best thing you can get us. 
And then, then he went off and he found the best thing he could get us. We're not like, oh, I don't know. And, uh, no, take the lead. Do it. Own it. Right. Yeah, so again, understanding that I think will, will help push people into hopefully just different areas of leadership within the church. And understanding too, like you're commanded um, every, every member of the church to help uh, maintain unity within the church. When you see things like you are eyes um, for all of our blind spots, not everybody can, can see everything that's going on, especially as the, the church grows. And we, we pray that it continues to grow and, and that God would just add to our number daily, those being saved, that we would be stewarding those relationships, making disciples, teaching them everything that God's commanded us to observe. Um, but there is a distinction. So, so ladies, you can be a part of leadership. And not all men can be a part of the, the office of pastor. Like we've made that distinction as well. Um, and understanding that will hopefully bring people along. Like, and don't get caught up on, okay, so I, like, I can't preach in church. Well, then I just don't want to do it. No, you've been gifted, right? If, 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 you're, if that's irritated you at any point, let me say, like, let's go over scripture and see that it says this is the way it is. Men are to be doing this, qualified men. Um, but now let's step back and say, okay, you're still gifted in the area. How can we help you use that gift, particularly for ladies, to go and to disciple other ladies, to, um, to help us train up the children, to, to help us um, make sure that men are leading in their home well? Like that's another right. thing too is like, guess who can't like be holding every guy's hand to make sure that they're leading? Right. I can't. But like I should be able, we should be able to trust that the ladies – are telling their husbands, hey, like, you need to lead this home. You need to care for this home. And going out... The term out, used in the Bible is a helpmate. Yeah. That means she's helping him lead. Right. Like, she's she is his partner in this. And so that means that she's going to be... That means what it means, help. And part of help is coaching and, and giving insight and giving perspective and ideas and same thing with church leadership telling the pastors giving us some some insight giving us some advice or some tips if we've got so really i think a lot of the women um this is speculation here sort of um but those women who carry i think all of them are king either one or two that's that's one of their strong suit women are typically they're it's either king or priest right so uh, and then, like, if you've got one who, you know, has some gifting and, and teaching, an interesting thing. teaching, Men and women like, are not yeah, the same. right. So, some kind of gifting and, and teaching, right? Like, God has gifted you to to teach in some way, shape, or form. Um, but then also, I, I would say that King comes like really close with that for for ladies because they are very creative, right? Like, I think that's a part of it too, like the administrative side. Like you mentioned Sunday, like. We could throw out an idea, hey, we think we need a block party. Nine times out of ten, we've got a few ladies in the church that just bring that all together. Aubrey yes. being one of them, like anytime like there's something mentioned, man, we'll be like on our way to an event. And she's like, hey, did you get this? I'm like, I didn't even think of that. Right. Well, like, yeah. I think it, because men and women are not the same, there's always a plus, like there's always a, for any kind of gifting or any kind of trait, there's like a positive and a negative. Typically... Now, we get in trouble speaking generalities because, oh, you know, you're saying all. I'm not saying all. Everybody hear me? I'm not saying all. Right. But typically, women struggle with anxiety more than men. Typically. Okay? They get worked up. They worry. They Like, I can fall asleep at any given moment, right? Naomi sometimes will be like, I don't know how you, like, just conk out, like, have, fall asleep. Have you guys had this problem? 
before? Your wife, does she stay up and think and oh? Right. And then you fall asleep and then, have you all been woken up by like, hey, like I'm still thinking about this. Right. Like I can't believe oh, yeah. you just fell asleep right. and I'm yeah. like, yeah. Oh. I gotta wake up in the morning. Right. Like I thought this, we were gonna deal with it. This then. problem will still be here tomorrow. So I'm just, <laughs> but so so that's the negative is the anxiety. But oftentimes, ladies, the way they alleviate the anxiety is they start to think this needs done, this needs done, this needs done. And if the plan nice checklist, yeah, a checklist. They they not all women. Not Jeremy all just women. said he hates checklists. I hate you, but Naomi's totally Naomi. She Naomi will come up with a list. And if she does something that was not on her list, she'll write it on the list, even though it's already done, just so she can cross it off. Like, they love that stuff, right? And so they, they're bent to it. Oftentimes, they just, it, it eases that natural anxiety of not knowing what's happening and, and, and things being left, like, hanging, where oftentimes, not every time, oftentimes men, you know, we'll deal with it tomorrow. Like, it's, I'm not worrying about it. But because of that, ladies tend to be very helpful in organizing things because it just lets them breathe. And again, that's... To know that it's organized. Right. And if if that's you, right, and that's getting into a little bit of the king stuff, but you got to help us. I mean, you got to step up and, and, and do these things within our church family. So, all right, to, to these giftings of, of teaching and, and uh, preaching, which can also be proclamation. Uh, let me say, ladies, you need to be sharing the gospel. You need to go out and, and teach these things. So we're not saying be silent in that way. Paul is talking about within the context of, of the church, particularly on, on Sunday mornings. Um, we know that there's a hard distinction. But, but where, where, would, where would be some areas um, where ladies can be, begin to use these giftings? Let me just real quick. There's okay. a couple of verses I just want to read. Okay. Just to make the point that we're not coming up with this, and this is not Michael and I saying this stuff. Paul says in first, talk about it in the context of the church, First Timothy two twelve. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man; rather, she is to remain quiet. Talk about it in the context of the church. Same author, Paul, but in his letter to the Corinthians, First Corinthians fourteen, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak. But they should be submit in submission, as the Lord also says. Um, now, can I, since since you're reading these, I also want to yeah. make just distinctions for for you to understand within our church. When we read those passages, um, again, we've we've talked about this on here. We've gotten away from doing our scripture readings from a member of the church, right. um, but we've had ladies get up and and. Um, uh, read the word of God for us on Sunday mornings. Right. We're not against that, right? She's we don't. Not we don't see that. It, she's not when, when there was Sunday school, um, when you had your, you know, your your pre-service Bible study, yeah. we had no problem with any of the ladies asking you a question oh. during that study. So when it's saying like to remain quiet, um, it it really is talking about the preaching on Sunday morning, the the preeminence. The yeah. Gathering. So so yeah. that man, I remember being at um at a church that supports us just west of here. And the pastor, someone wanted to give up, get up and give a testimony, and he said, "Not right now. It's not time. The word of God is is going to take precedent this morning. Like right. that that is the most important thing." Right. And then she was so upset, and it wasn't just because she was a lady, but like he wanted to get to the word that you know, like God had laid on his heart for that week. And at the end of service, he then gave her time to like give the testimony. But like, but that was that was the understanding and and the the president he was We're setting for his church is. We are here for the word, right. so we're going to do that. And then he always—I mean, he always has a time for testimony set aside. 
Um, so this one was a little bit longer, so he needed to give her time. The to key, though, with Paul is saying, he's talking about in the congregation, and again, th- this, I mean, it just is what it is, guys. Like, at some point, we just have to say, this is what it says. Like, I, you don't even have to like it. Like, it's just, it is what it is. But he makes the point where he talks about over men, okay? So this, this organized activity of the church Women are to remain submissive and quiet in the in that context. They're not to be leading and teaching the men. There's three fourths of the congregation that are not men, and all and then all kinds of situations that are not the formal gathering of the people of the congregation. So there is like all kinds of applications where women who have the desire, the gifting, the knowledge, the ability to teach from the Bible that they can do that, and they should be doing that. So, like, Naomi has that kind of gifting where she, she, she's good. I mean, she's just effective at it, and she needs to be doing it. I've gotten on her before. You know, it's like we need to, you need to be doing that. Somehow, some way, whether it's blogging, doing something, you need to be doing this. So it's not, a, it's like, it's not an optional thing. If you've got that gifting and that passion, we're not saying, uh, maybe you should, no, you're supposed to be doing that. And the Bible gives us parameters for it, but it's very broad. Mm-hmm. There's just one, this, this one subsection of Christian living where it's in the, in the context of the ministry of the local church, the gathering of the God's people, that Paul says no, not in that context. But when it deals with other ladies, when it deals with children, children. or informal discipleship like Paul had with Priscilla and Aquila where it's informal um, all of that's wide open and that goes back to what you were saying like with with uh, you were asking how they can serve and, and teach and with children you know it goes back to what you're saying how women are mostly are more creative and uh, they like to to, to uh, create things and yep. uh, have fun in church so like that's perfect for kids because Keeping a kid's attention, especially on certain stories right. in the Bible, is tough. And yep. women are especially good at that because they they can create, you know, visual big time teaching and yep, and they know how to they know how to communicate creatively, not just with the arts or with the crafts, but just in the way that they're talking. So yep. I could go in there with the littles and do a Bible lesson, right? I don't know who's going to hear any of this stuff, right? <laughs> I could do it, and I have done it one time. Because you guys were somewhere, you and Aubrey went off. The church was a lot smaller back then, and there weren't too many options. So Gary, go down there with the kids, and we did it. We did it. There Tell was them all they were cosmic trouble. There were cosmic treason. <laughs> but but they, you know, it's not the same. It's not the same. And we know from Scripture we have a a strong command because it's written there to do it um, for ladies to be teaching. Um, here, particularly in Titus, where it's another pastoral epistle, um, he's writing. Paul's writing to Titus, and he says um, in verse one of chapter two, "But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness." Verse three: Older women likewise are not, or sorry, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. So a a big thing that I think is is neglected 
oftentimes is again, and that's where I was talking about the point of like looking to the pulpit, looking to the pulpit. And really what I'm saying there is like looking to the man behind the pulpit and elevating him um, and that, that position um, as if it, it is glorified. We glorify God and his word as it's been revealed to us. And in that word, it's telling the ladies to disciple one another, to teach. So like, you know, you're mentioning like for Naomi. So it's like, get out and teach. And right. this isn't like a Naomi slam. It's just, no. she's gifted that way. So right. we're, we're talking about her. If you're listening to this, we're just using her as an example. So um, if you've got the gifting of teaching, uh, then go and, and disciple other women. Now that doesn't mean you just talk about like little things. It means walk them through the Bible. Yep. I mean, and, and teach them everything that God's commanded us to observe, right? Everything. Right. And, and that is something, especially one-on-one or like even in group setting, Pastor Gary, myself, Pastor Simon, even, you know, you guys, we're not going to have like five ladies and me go to Starbucks and I'm teaching them. That's not happening. Right. Like it, it's not going to. It could if it had to. Yeah. And here's the thing too. It wouldn't be as relevant. I've never walked in and be yeah, you not know, a mom, lady shoes. Yeah, I'm not a mom. I haven't gone through the the natural biological um, things that women have gone through. Like there are things where you can contextualize, and I wouldn't be able to do that. But you who are gifted in this way are gifted for a reason. Yep. God gifted you. He gave you those gifts. You didn't come up with it on your own. So go and use that gift to bless the church. There, there and there's lots of examples in Book of Acts. We'll get to it one of these days. This, this this series in Acts may take a while, but in Acts 21, where uh, yeah, that'll be a while. Paul, really. yeah, Paul is <laughs> Paul is uh, he's on his journey and so forth, and I won't get into all, but he runs into uh, uh, Philip, okay, one of those original deacons, and it talks about Philip the evangelist was one of the seven. So this goes all the way back to Acts six, I guess. And he stayed with him. And then verse 9, it said he, he, talking about Philip, had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Philip did. Mm-hmm. Four unmarried daughters who prophesied. So they had this gifting, and they acted on it. They, 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 they would teach and preach and declare the word of God to people. And that's what they did. It's not within the context of the congregation. Paul says, let it all be done decently in order. But in their life, like that's what they were known as. Philip was described as an evangelist, and apparently his daughters went with him and and, right. and, and, and would and would declare the word of God. We're not so use those giftings. You were supposed to, like every day. Is, yeah, Sunday morning is not the end all. No, you know? that's like, what that's like, literally a percentage of it, and it's launching. a it's a big it's yeah, massive. It's but big. it's like the springboard into the week. You've got six other days that you're to work. Six other days that you're to, to live, um, and Sunday we, we gather, we worship, it's kind of like our spiritual batteries get recharged, we get our heads straight, head out back into the into the battle, right? And um, if Philip had four daughters that prophesied, you know, that tells you right there that, that that's a legit calling upon some women. Yeah, for sure. And, you know... Any way that we as the pastors can help you figure out that avenue uh, to teach. Um, if you are ever interested in a women's conference at the church where you're getting ladies together and, and you were in a formal way uh, putting this on, we can help you with that by all means. Oh, yeah. And there's there's a million other avenues we could talk about. But like, I mean, it would take years to sit down on a podcast weekly just to talk about all these different avenues. Um, but 
come talk to us and do it. Or do it. Like, I mean, if you're like, okay, that's pretty clear. I need to be meeting with women and discipling. Yeah, like that's not a question. Like we've, we've got pockets of guys that are meeting now to disciple one another. Ladies, you need to be doing it too. Like it, it's just something that we need to do if we're going to strengthen the church. And not just that, but use our giftings. Like if, if I buy, uh, for instance, you bought me that ESV study Bible, right? Yeah. I use it, yeah. right? Like if I bought somebody an ESV study Bible and wanted them to use it, I wouldn't be like, all upset and torn up if they didn't use it, but I'd be like, oh, I was like a waste of a gift. Right. God has gifted you. Do not waste that gift. Yeah. One, it's it's disobedience not to. Like so therefore it's it's sinful. Like right. I, I mean if we get down to it, if if you've been gifted in a way, and I know that sounds harsh because it's not like clear cut and dry, but you've been given a gift for a reason and it's not to just sit and like let it collect dust on, on the bookshelf. And if you are at a point where you're not using it, there needs to be a reason for it. Yeah. There needs to be I'm not operating in this because X, Y, Z is going on and it's unavoidable or it's whatever, you know? Right. Um, yeah. There are obviously, you know, there's, there's reasons. But if there's not, if it's just because of some, because something, I don't know, just, I'm trying to think of an example, but like just some reason that's just right. Well, the same out thing out of the habit and I'm not doing it. And the same thing goes to, to you guys who are listening to this, go and disciple other men and let me encourage you who are listening to this and, and you're still like, I'm waiting for the, the priest, the office of priest to talk about those gifts or king. You still need to be going and making disciples. Right. Like that's not an option. So Yeah, just because you're gifted, that may not be your strong suit. You st- So teach what you know. All three. Yeah, that's right. You are all three because you are in Christ. He's prophet, priest, and king, capital letter. You are, you are to function in all three of those. Every one of us is to operate in those ways. What we're saying is that some of us are more, are more, whether you want to say naturally or maybe supernaturally, uh, stronger. That does not mean mean it's okay to not operate in the other one, right? Or the other two, or whatever. Because we are in Christ; He has gifted us. We do all have the gift of prophecy. We do all have a priestly gifting. We do all have a kingly gifting. Right. Some may have a larger measure than others, though. But don't let that be a reason why, well, I'm just an administrative person. I love Excel spreadsheets. And so I'm just going to hide in the church office. And and that's what I do. It's like, well, you're also supposed to care for people. You're supposed to you know, disciple people. And yeah. you're also supposed to be teaching the Bible. Well, it's the same for a guy who may be gifted in prophet, but yep. priest is last. So he would be prophet, king, and priest. Still can't be a jerk, right? No, exactly. If, if people only know you as the, the rebuker, yeah. like it's probably not a good look. Be cheap, um, don't eat. And... And I'll use you as an example because we see you as that. But if you sit down, if anybody sits down with you, it's like, okay, he cares. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. I see that out of you. And there's plenty of times where I'm like, are you serious? Like, you, we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about that symbol. Like, that bugs you. <laughs> but, but you're always like, you'll talk about it, right? Like, and try and get to like a loving uh, way of thinking about things. So um, that's really good. So, yeah, I mean... Ladies, get out there and use that gift. Again, ask us uh, of, of ways or if you, maybe you don't have to ask us. Maybe you're like, hey, this is on my heart and how can we get it going here? We'd love to figure that out with you yep. um, and not micromanage you either, uh, ladies and men, whatever that ministry might be. Um, Jeremy's a good example here. Of, you know, We were talking about medical stuff as we're getting this medical team set up. Um, you, you were asking me some question. I'm like, dude, I think the, the text, I'm like, whatever. And you're like, well, it's going to be like a lot of money. I'm like, you tell me. Because like, it's at the point where it's like, it's medical. I don't know what I'm talking about. Right. 
Like, I would get Band-Aids, and you're saying we need, like, a defibrillator. I'm like, oh, that won't fix someone's heart, a Band-Aid? Like, okay, I guess we need a defibrillator. I don't know what they cost. That's leadership. That's leadership. So you took the lead, yeah. Now, we'd have to have some reason why, no, we're not getting a defibrillator. Okay, why? You know what I mean? Like, that's on us now. But in this case, Jeremy's exercising leadership and saying, in, in other words, the opposite of that would be him knowing in his head... We ought to have a defibrillator in here, but I'm not going to say nothing. That's not a leader. A leader brings it up. A leader says, hey, this is where we are. We need we need this. If we're able to afford it, then it's up there on the priority list, as far as I'm concerned, and it's showing leadership. Mm-hmm. That's that's what we mean by that. We need that. Yeah. Yeah, we do. And don't be afraid to talk about it. I mean, I think culture has like really caused this within the church. It's like the whole concept of, and I'm not like, we're not talking politics or like particularly like religion here, but like. Um, what the the culture would say for so long like that's one thing we don't talk about politics right. and religion right so but then in the church it's like well I guess we don't talk about certain things like right. I guess I can't talk about this it says I'm supposed to remain quiet and it's like no like come on contextualize this like understand what scripture's saying and then know that like if you see an area talk about it now in those discussions you may see it as a a big need and I'm sure there could be a need um, particularly with a def- defibrillator, we don't want anybody's heart to stop in the church. Right. But like, we may not be able to put on certain things. Is what I'm getting at. So like, you may come with an idea, and it may be like a no, not yet, right? Right. But if you've got the and passion and you want radar, and if you've got the passion and you want to run it, it's highly unlikely we're not going to get behind you. I mean, right? I mean, it have to be really bonkers. So let us know. Like, right. let's talk about it, hash it out. Like, and if figure it's, it out. If it's together. not yet thing, there's probably a reason for it. Right. Because it wouldn't just be like no. Yeah, it'd be like, well, we're going to be doing this program in two months, which we haven't announced yet. You don't even know. So we're going to do this, and then we'll do it this way. But if you don't bring it up, it cannot get on our radar. Like, the issue back in Act 6 with the Hellenistic... They didn't know. Widow, I guarantee they didn't know. How would they I don't they think they know? were just being negligent. Right. Yeah. No, they just didn't know. But if you don't know, you don't know. Right. And here we are. We're finally getting to having a youth group. You know, yeah. People would mention it, and it's like, we just can't do it yet. Right. But here we are. We have we're it, now we're able to do it. Getting it rolling. All right. Any final comments? We got nothing. We got nothing. Good stuff. <laughs> I was just gonna say earlier when he's when he was saying, you know, everybody's gonna hate us for what we're saying anyway. So might as well just say it. There's. I was reading something on it that said like a lot of churches are having women pastors or, or leaders because uh, women are the first ones to leave the church, or they they have all these statistics where there's a certain percentage of people are leaving because there's right. not. Women leaders, so you're doing it for the wrong reasons. So at least right. like here, you're you're saying what you believe, and you're doing it for the right reasons because the Bible tells you to. So that's important. That's it. I've heard that too, but then I, I don't know if I buy it. Like I've heard him say that. Oh, people will leave and this and that. I feel like churches that stick to the Word of God get blessed. They just do. I think that. So we're just gonna trust God with this. To an, I mean, I agree, and then to an extent, it's like you'll be blessed. Uh, it just, how are you counting your blessings? Right, like, no, for sure. You know, some churches, they never grow large in numbers, may never cap 50. I mean, I see it. I see some of the like, most faithful Bible teachers, and and they just don't grow. Like, spiritually, like that church might be like one of the strongest. Grow, but then those um, people are going out and they're evangelizing their neighbors. And right. Who knows what? No doubt. Well, we hope that this podcast helped you to put Jesus in the perspective. If you have questions about this episode, a previous episode, or about a relationship with Jesus, please email us at engage at newhilloh.com or send in your questions to newhilloh.com slash ask, and we will get back to you, whether personally 
um, writing a blog or doing a podcast episode. We'd love to hear what it is. If there's a topic that's completely off topic, uh, like from what we've been talking about, you just want to know about it, uh, send that in and we will answer it. All right, church, go honor God in all that you do. Observe the things he's commanded. Provide to the needs of others and extend the offer that's been extended to you. Peace. Boom.